This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hello, dear listeners. This is Ginny, and I'm here with our friend Zach Clark. Hello. You've heard him before on a few of our episodes, and today he's here to talk about a project he's working on called Great Hope, which you can become a part of and become involved in, which he's going to explain right now. So Great Hope is a show that I am working on that will be at the UMass Amherst Union Gallery in February of 2018. Um, It's going to be a collection of work that I'm making about where myself and others um, find hope and victories they're currently celebrating. But the show um, is also going to exist as a open call print exchange and is open to anyone who makes an edition of 12 works. So if you're a printmaker, um, I'd love to hear from you to be part of the show. All the work will then be distributed out to everyone as a uh, print exchange. If you are not a printmaker and just want to share your stories about where you are currently finding hope, um, I would love to hear them. Um, For both participating in the print exchange and just letting me hear your stories, you can go to nationalmonumentpress.com. Some more information will be there. Um, You can find me on Instagram, at Zach Clark is, or you can text 510-969-9443. Thanks, and I hope to uh, have you as part of the show. Right on. Great hope. Check it out. From Art History Bay Briefs. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Ginny. I'm Jen. And we are the Art History Babes. Hey. Hello, everyone. We're here with a BB episode. Mm. A little baby. Just a baby. And this is going to be on Japanese woodblock prints, also known as Yukioe prints. Yukioe. You said that very professionally, very authentically. Thank you. I believe that that's how it's pronounced. I hope so. <laughs> I took a Japanese art history course my sophomore year of college, and I love Japanese woodblock prints. They're one of the first things that I really, really got into in school in terms of art history. So I'm excited to talk about them. That's really exciting. I think that we've talked about this in past episodes, but we want to start branching out beyond the world of Western art history. Indeed. Yeah. Because a lot of what Yukioe prints get exposure for is how they were really influential, especially to a lot of French artists. So like Gauguin and Mm. like Toulouse-Lautrec and Mary Cassatt and like all of that is really interesting. And they did incorporate a lot of stylistic aspects of Japanese woodblock prints, but the Japanese woodblock prints were there before. (laughs) Long before (laughs) any of that happened. So let's get into it. Let's talk about the history of these. So woodblock prints in Japan were first used as early as the 8th century, and they were used primarily as means to disseminate texts, often religious Buddhist scriptures. You know, woodblock prints, you've probably seen them. Maybe you didn't know what they were when you saw them, but they're really 
kind of everywhere, especially like if you think about, we'll talk about it a little bit more later, but the great wave off of Kanagawa by Hokusai. This has been printed on t-shirts. I saw a friend the other weekend. She had it on her t-shirt. It was from Urban Outfitters. So it's, you know, Uh, it's out there. Yeah. (laughs) Problematic. (laughs) It's on calendars, mugs, etc. But there was a lot of craft and a lot of work that went into these. So in 1765, new technology made it possible to produce single sheet prints in a full range of colors. Prior to that, they were only able to be monochromatic or if other colors were added, an artist would have to go in by hand and paint other colors onto the print. Some of the first like polychrome prints called nishikie were often put into calendars, which were for wealthy patrons. So a wealthy patron would say, hey, I want a calendar with, you know, however many views of this mountain or different seasons, things like that. And so the term yukioe, which means floating world. So yukioe became the most popular subject for prints prints depicting different things from the floating world. Kind of to describe how the Yukioe established itself involves a little bit of discussion about the Japanese class structure. The merchant class were at the bottom of the class structure. And these structures were enforced through like sections of neighborhoods within cities and towns. And so despite their lower status, the merchant class was still a wealthy class. And they focused in their own living areas on life's pleasures, such as theater, tea houses, and brothels. Mm. So this entertainment district became really popular, not just amongst the merchant class, but other classes as well. And so this is most prominent during the Edo period which ranged approximately from 1603 to 1868. So this is when the Yukioe is really popular and people are going there to visit and then people are also wanting to purchase prints that are showing kabuki actors from the floating world and famous beautiful courtesans, things like that. These prints were widely popular and it was easy to produce them in mass amounts because, you know, you engrave a design in a woodblock and you can reprint it and you can reprint it. It's not as expensive as paintings, obviously, so it can reach more people. So, like I said, uh, a lot of the subjects of these prints were people that were living in the floating world. But in addition, it also became popular to depict various landscapes and viewpoints of cities and landmarks throughout Japan. Despite the fame of print masters such as Hiroshige, Hokusai, and Harunobu, just to name a few, each print required the collaboration of multiple people. It wasn't just the artist working on this. So there was the designer of the print, the artist, but there was also an engraver, a printer, and the publisher. So the artist designed print on paper in terms of like drawing it out, and that was then transferred to a thinner piece of paper, and the image of that would then be transferred to a wooden block. And then the engraver carves the outline of the image, and the printer would then apply ink, press it, print it. Publishers were more commercially minded, and they were often also booksellers. So publishers would work with all of these different people, you know, work with an artist saying, okay, we want to make a series of 100 views of Mount Fuji, something like that. And so polychrome prints were made by using different layers of woodblock to be inked in separate colors. And you could go as high up to 20 colors, which is pretty impressive. So this was really revolutionary for woodblock printing. 
mulberry paper was often the paper that was used for these prints because they absorbed the ink really well and withstood multiple rubbing, so it's strong, hardy paper. The Japanese really mastered woodblock printing, and the influence of this medium stretched throughout the world well into the 20th century and beyond. Like we mentioned briefly at the beginning, there were a lot of later European artists that were really into Japanese woodblock prints and incorporated a lot of aspects of that into their own work. And a whole thing called Japanese oh, developed, yeah. <laughs> which we should do another episode on it. Another that would time. be really fun. <laughs> it would. What's up with that painting? I forget the name of the painting by Vincent Van Gogh, but I think that it's called. I think he Japanese has, I, I believe he does with the, yeah. the geisha, yeah. a woman on a mm-hmm. bridge. Right. So he painted in his mind. He painted a print like. Yes impressionist right which is what they were they were painting what they saw in prints which is just interesting (laughs) interesting (laughs) it's fun (laughs) (laughs) so basically what a lot of these prints did when they were made is they acted as a way of like transporting you into the floating world even if you didn't have access to go see kabuki actors or access to see some of the most beautiful and prestigious courtesans in different cities throughout the Edo period these prints work to kind of like move you into that world which remained popular for decades and decades and decades yeah so that's the brief overview And then we'll talk about some specific artists and notable, just a few of many notable works. The first one here is kind of a serene, more (laughs) pared down work by uh, the printmaker Harunobu called Courtesan Utena of the Shinkanaya by a hibachi in 1770. It's from the illustrated book of collected beauties from the licensed quarter. You know, the idea that this is a floating world Mm -hmm. is a little bit, I mean, this is my own interpretation, but (laughs) this kind of very sparse composition, she really does look like she's just floating. The the hibachi isn't on anything. And she's just making a, what is that, a little shrimp? Well, I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) This sort of domestic scene, she's hanging out, making some food, making some tea. This is really representative of the kinds of themes that one would find in a Yukio-A work. Right. In this case, this was probably a real woman or based on a real woman. Mm -hmm. Um, So these are real people Mm -hmm. that are workers working in entertainment districts, so in this case, a courtesan. So Harunobu was one of the pioneers in the early multicolored woodblock prints and was greatly influential on later printmakers in Japan. Mm-hmm. That's a sweet one. I know. It's, I, it's I really nice. like it. And there's so much attention put into her clothing and a lot of these prints showing courtesans and beautiful women from the floating world. Like There's so much attention paid to the style and the fashion. And the style, the quality of one of these kimonos really indicates where you stand in status as far as being the head gal or just getting started. We discussed the great wave off Kanagawa by Hokusai. I wonder why this is such a popular work. I mean, it's amazing. I think it's really dramatic. Yeah. And, you know, there's so much movement in it and, 
I think people also gravitate towards ocean scenes a lot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) People like the sea. Yeah. (laughs) The sublime. (laughs) The Great Wave off Kanagawa is from Hokusai's series, 36 Views of Mount Fuji. And so in each work, Mount Fuji is figured somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I really like this one, too, because Mount Fuji is a volcano. Mm -hmm. It's a very big mountain. And in this scene, it really looks so small and far away and almost like the wave is going to engulf it completely. So this is a a really amazing print. Hokusai was one of the most successful printmakers in Japan during the 19th century. The wave off Kanagawa was the first and most famous of the 36 prints depicting various viewpoints of Mount Fuji. And because of its popularity, the series was later expanded to 46 designs. And in this scene, it's a pretty chaotic ocean scene, but then the fishermen are are shown very calmly navigating these dramatic waves good for them i (laughs) I hope they they were okay (laughs) they were they were like such good fishermen those little skinny boats are just cut through waves man impressive it looks like they would just snap in half i would have vomited (laughs) (laughs) again queasy just thinking about it (laughs) one of the last works that we picked out which actually i was almost going to talk about this print in our holiday episode right isn't it beautiful it is so beautiful this print is by hiroshige drum bridge and setting sun hill from the late 1850s it is a winter scene it's night or about to be night the stars are out Mm -hmm. we have this bridge in the foreground everything's covered with a relatively thin layer of snow people are holding their little umbrellas little parasols shielding themselves from the snow i just love this work so much it is from the series 100 famous views of edo edo today's tokyo was the largest city in japan already by the 19th century Hiroshige was influenced by Hokusai's style and the popularity of series that depicted various views of a landmark or city. So mm-hmm. in this case, we have this lovely bridge, lovely scene. Yeah. I just love it. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. So those are our little BB tips on Yukioe prints. And eventually we should do a full length episode and we can get more into some of the artists that we talked to and more of the subjects depicted. And that's, that's that's a wrap. That's all she wrote. (laughs) That's all she wrote. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in. And we hope you have a great time. We really do. From Is that a little shrimp? We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News and World Report, we're the 25th top paying career. Make an impact as a fact seeker and a truth teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you.